Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a week it's been. Lots and lots of traffic. I don't think many people are very happy from what I saw on Facebook. <laughs> you know what God loves? Traffic. Not necessarily the kind we endured this past week. What he loves is traffic, generous traffic, cheerful traffic in the realm of Christian giving. He loves the cheerful giver. We're going to hear more about that coming up. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen. At this time, we begin with our opening anthem.
Please stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come to his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority alone, I forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. Amen. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise.
Merciful Father, you open your bountiful hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. May your grace in Christ move us to offer ourselves and all we have in service to you. For you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson this morning, written by the Apostle Paul, is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this serves as a basis for the sermon. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the anthem by the choir.
stand for the gospel. Lesson today is from Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn of the day, 489.
Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow believers in him. The field is yours. While it's true that God owns everything and everything we have belongs to him, he's given you your field. All of the stuff you have, all of the possessions, and in particular for today, all of the finances you have, that field is yours. It's not mine, it's not your neighbor's, it's not anybody else's. That field belongs to you to manage. And God can't wait to see what you're going to do with it. The starting point we have for today's devotion really is the exact same we have from a week ago. We're, we're dealing today with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a letter of Paul's. Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They're just a chapter apart, but it's the exact same context. Which means we're still dealing in the realm of grace. God's love poured out. When you've come here again this morning with me to come to the house of God... We didn't come to the field where God takes us out to the woodshed and leaves us there for all eternity. Certainly God deals with our sins appropriately and he forgives them in Jesus Christ. Today again in your hearing, he takes you to the field of Bethlehem. He takes you to the field of Calvary. He takes you to the garden tomb and the field that was there to see it's not, nobody's in there, it's empty. And he shows you the field of everything in between. All of the things Jesus did for our righteousness. When you consider that we're again in the field of salvation and you think of all of the miraculous things God has done from beginning to end to accomplish this and how he managed these things for our glory. What a privilege it is then today for us to consider once again how to manage the things that he's entrusted to us while we're on earth for his glory. And he compares this in us, in this section today, to a farmer. I want you to imagine the farmer going out to the field. Doesn't matter whether it's an acre. Doesn't matter whether it's 10 or 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 acres or more. The farmer goes out to that field, whatever it is, and it's planting season. Now you know exactly what that farmer is going to do with that seed during planting season. And you know what the farmer's not going to do. The farmer is not going to, at planting season, reach into the pockets. I have 25 seeds left over yet from last year. And, and, and I've got a couple more that I just bought at the store. I think I'm going to put about 55 seeds in the field this year. That is absolutely not how the farmer does it. The farmer strategizes that field, looks at it, and plants that field to the capacity of what it can properly sustain. Why? What good is the seed still in the pocket? What good is having leftover seed, or vice versa, what good is it having leftover land that you could have planted that seed and now nothing is going to grow whatsoever from it. And so the farmer 
looks at that field and says, I want to plant it to capacity. I want to trust God no matter what kind of inclement weather is going to come, no matter what kind of animal damage happens in that field this year and what they take from it, I'm going to trust God, plant that field, and trust God is going to bring a harvest. Paul says the same thing to us now when it comes to this field for spiritual use. Look at what he says and applies to us. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There are really two kinds of planters. And he doesn't quite yet lead us as to which one he's leading us to be. That's going to come out as we keep reading. But his point here with this verse is, you know the results. You know what's going to come. The, the person who plants a little in that field is going to receive a little in the harvest. That's how it works. The person who plants quite a bit in that field, who plants generously in that field, is going to reap generously from that. That's how it works. And that's how it works financially speaking as well. God blesses each in their way, a little or a lot. I understand. The principle looks the same. I think it would be very hard to be an actual farmer. You put your money into seed and you stick that seed in a hole in the ground and it looks like you are throwing that seed away. It looks like you are throwing your money away. Similarly, when you come to church and when you give your gifts, you actually stick it in a manner of speaking in a hole. You put it in a box out there. You, you put it in the plate. And from a certain perspective, it looks like you are throwing it away. It, it looks like you're putting it into the ground and you're never going to see it again. And there it goes and, and I'm out. Oh no. God says the same principle with farming where you put it in its, in its use in the ground. There's a harvest. It's the same thing with the church. When you bring your generous offerings to the Lord and you plant it in the Lord... When you plant it in that box or in the offering plate, God says you have every right to expect the harvest. That's how it works. There are going to be blessings and results that come from this. So in a way, Paul is appealing to you and saying, what kind of harvest do you want? Who here doesn't want an abundant one? Maybe this is where we need to take a, a pause. Pastor, it sounds an awful lot like you're saying, give and give a lot, and you're going to get a lot. Isn't that what the televangelists say on TV? Doesn't that sound like a get-rich-quick scheme? Give, Jesus says, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, pouring over, overflowing in your lap, will be poured out to you. How do we understand these things? Because the last thing I want to be is a televangelist, with all apologies to those watching online today. They have terrible theology, and ours is going to be right with the Word of God today. When the Lord Jesus talks about this, there are two things we need to keep in mind. The first is, when he's comparing this to a farmer's seed, notice the farmer's seed works exactly according to scientific properties. This is exactly how God designed the seed. You take that seed... 
you figure out how many can go in the field, you plant it appropriately, and logic says you plant a little, you're going to get a little. Science says that too. Science says you plant a lot proportionately to that field, you're going to reap a harvest. That's how God designed it scientifically. And now in the spiritual field of the church, this is where faith comes in, we look to the Lord and we trust his word and God says when you plant this in me, when you bring your finances and you generously plant them in this field, he promises to bless it. That's how this is designed to work. That's the property of the financial seed planted in faith in the Lord, he promises there's going to be a bountiful harvest from it. And so when we come, by grace, trusting the forgiveness of sins, when we trust the Lord and we trust his providence and we're doing this for his glory, not for a get-rich-quick scheme, when this is done for him, then this is the right appropriate attitude. Then we're coming in a God-pleasing way. The heart of how the giver comes is of utmost importance to the Lord. And he brings that out in the gospel lesson today. There were Pharisees, there were other people bringing large gifts. Throughout the gospels, the Pharisees were withholding, supporting their parents, the elderly, and saying, oh, no, no, no. It's much more dignified to withhold that money from taking care of my parents in their old age and giving a large sum to the Lord. Their hearts were completely in the wrong place. They were not doing the right thing. Jesus does not commend them. God was not pleased with those gifts. But then you get this little widow who comes up and Jesus is watching all these gifts. He's watching all this giving. A little widow comes up and she puts in two little tiny coins, maybe worth a fraction of a penny. And he's ecstatic. He loves this gift. And he reflects on the size, but he's looking at the size of her generous heart. She's trusting the Lord. She's not looking to get rich from this gift, but she's entrusting her life to the Lord, knowing God is going to provide a harvest for her and for the church, and she knows the Lord is going to take care of her. Paul applies that to our motives in giving too so that they're not selfish. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Larson. He does the Far Side comics. I used to love all of, looking through all of those that he did, but there's one comic in particular that he did that has a scene of hell. And in this picture, there, there are a couple of guys toiling and laboring away. They have wheelbarrows filled with rocks. They have chains on their feet. You know, they've been working all day. They're sweaty. They're miserable. They're in drudgery. Uh, just the looks on their faces, it's just terrible. And then there's this guy, another guy, uh, in a different side of the scenario of what he drew. And this guy is whistling. <laughs> and he's delighted. He's doing this work like singing. He's just cheerfully doing it. And these guys in their drudgery look up and look at this guy and the caption at the bottom says, some people just don't get it. Unfortunately, it's the same with Christian giving. Some people just don't understand how this works. 
it's ultimately not about the size of the gift, even though God is encouraging generously, generosity. It's about the size of the heart of faith that comes first to the Lord and is the reason why you're there first putting that into the plate or into the box in the back. I mean, who should be coming trudgingly? Who should be coming in a grudging manner? Who, who should be coming saying, Ugh, I, I really wish I had that money to do what I wanted for myself this week? Who's coming grieved that they're, they're having to give this up? If there's any kind of have to, should, must, ought, obligation, that's not the right attitude. In fact, just look at the way your Lord gives. Just think if God gave that way. <clears throat> I have yet to find a scripture passage that says, from God's perspective to the world, was I too generous in giving my son? Maybe I should have thought that through a little bit more carefully. For all the people that won't appreciate this and even the people of God that really don't take Jesus that seriously, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have given them my son. No, John 3.16 still applies today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The whole verse of John 3.16 screams the generosity of God, the joyful heart of God to do this. And he's not looking back. He's looking forward to a harvest. He's looking forward to you. It's the same principle Paul lays down now in our giving. It's thankful. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. And actually the Greek makes it a little more emphatic. A cheerful giver, God loves. The Greek word for cheerful means hilarious. It's like you're laughing all the way to the offering box. You just love to do this. This is a joy between you and the Lord to give what you've decided in your heart to give. And I want to make just a small point on this. It's more of a Bible class point. Nowhere in the New Testament does it use the word or apply the term tithe to our giving. Tithe is an Old Testament principle that means the people were supposed to give 10%. That's not on you. You're not under the tithe. The tithe is not over you or me. Nowhere does Paul lay that down in this verse. God loves a cheerful giver. You get to decide in your heart what you generously would like to give to the Lord. And so the tithe is not a cap or a maximum, and the tithe is not a minimum. Thank goodness there are a lot of people across the wells that I know that have indicated to me they're gifting to the Lord, and it's way more than 10%. I would hate to see them limited to 10% giving when they want to generously give so much more. You get to decide that. You get to decide that generously with you and your spouse or between you and the Lord and joyfully bring that offering forward to the Lord, trusting his harvest because God bountifully wants to give it. Look at what he says in wrapping up. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what God sets down for principles of how the field of nature works with the seed and farming and harvesting, God sets that same principle down in the field of grace. God provides the seed for the farmer. God provides the field. God provides the weather. God provides the crops. God provides the tremendous harvest. In the field of giving, in the field of grace, he provides us with 
a job. He provides us with riches, each differently. He provides us with an opportunity to be generous. He provides us with the gospel to continue to encourage us in his love. And he provides a harvest. Both the giver is blessed, as well as what you give to is also blessed. It's a tremendous harvest. And and I don't know how God is going to bless you abundantly. I don't know how God is going to pour these things out on you. He never tells us. Is God going to give you more wealth? Maybe. Is God going going to give you health? Maybe. Is he going to give you long life? Possibly. Is he going to bless your family in size? Maybe. He doesn't tell me. He doesn't tell you. He just leads us to trust that he promises and he will do it. You will be enriched in every way. You will be able to be generous on every occasion. He leaves nothing out. So that when you and I act in faith, with a cheerful heart, our righteousness, our godliness in this area as we act, he promises is going to lead to overflowing thanksgiving. In context, that means more people are going to hear about their Savior. That's how thanksgiving goes to God. Only, God only accepts thanksgiving from a heart of faith. And so through your generosity and mine, joining together... In this ministry, it reaches more and more people whose hearts turn to the Lord Jesus, that tremendous gift God has given, and frankly, they in turn then give their offerings too. And more and more, it reaps a harvest. The field is yours, but there's also another one. About 150 yards south of this location, there's another field just outside the doors. It's an acre or two that we'd like to improve upon for ministry purposes. And members of this congregation, legally speaking, this whole property belongs to you. If this church goes defunct, do you know how it works? It gets sold and divided up and you get a share of it. This place is your field. That right there, in the realm of ministry, that field is yours too. And so with all of our work, with all of our striving, with all of God's love and motivation, with faith in the Lord, led by the grace of God, not for selfish gain, but for God's glory, what do you want to do with that field? How do you want to plant it? The Lord Jesus, who is watching all those gifts in the gospel lesson today, he's watching this too. And he can't wait to see what we're going to do. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, 
of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This time we bring the offerings forward. Heavenly Father, bless our financial sowing and reaping. Lead us to get and grasp cheerful generosity, because by grace we get you. Bless us, the work we do, the ministry we have, the people we desire to reach and serve, and our families here to overflow with the tremendous harvest that only you can give, because only you have promised. Keep us thankfully yours, and always desiring to lead others by your word to be the same. Lord, we ask you to bless the Anholt family as they mourn the sudden loss of Amanda's father, retired pastor Don Force. Help them in their need. Speak to their hearts and lift them up by your gospel. The very one Pastor Force proclaimed in his ministry that because Jesus lives, so will we. By your power, we ask you to watch over Janet Barthel as she goes under the knife this week for hip surgery. As your child, she is ever in your care. Navigate every upcoming issue for her. Bless the surgery and its outcome and lead her to praise you, Lord. It's in your name we pray and now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He sends the Holy Spirit to testify that we are his children and to strengthen us when we are weak. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever.
Christ on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the peace of the Lord be with you always Amen.